We are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the BA Show. Monday, the 2nd of October, 2023. It's the post-grand final BA Show, and we're not hungover from celebrating. We are just getting stuck into 2024 and trying to lay low. <laughs> it's a full house. Pommy, with you as always, mate. How are you doing? Oh, you know, mate, if... My ass points down. I'm usually a pretty happy guy, aren't I? So, and I'm sat on it, so that's pretty good. So, yeah, it's a good day. How are you? Yeah, good, good. I, I think I've come back to life today. Uh, it was a busy weekend, no doubt about that. Maybe we can share some stories during the show. We can do. I'm sure we will. Uh, Marcus is back. Marcus, the old dark blues. Mate, welcome back to the channel. How you doing? No, thanks for having me, mate. I know it's been a while and great to be on for for a Monday show. And yeah, a bit um yeah, a bit mixed feelings, isn't it? Like, you know, footy's done for another year, but um we also get to look forward to another year. So day one, it's funny how things move pretty quickly in, in the footy world. So um but no, it's been uh it's been good. Been um yeah, just trying to trying to get over yeah, as you said, trying to get over a really busy and eventful weekend. Yeah. And then we've got Mr. Sebastiani in the bottom right corner. Estilo, yeah. how easy? Yes, yeah. I'm very well, mate. How are you? I'm. Uh, I really don't care what's happened over the last week. To be honest, I really could not give two cahoots. So, I'm more worried about my football club. To be quite frank, I know I've seen a lot of people commenting on Twitter and through our comments here and on our shows and on our socials, and I've, I've been at ease over the last couple of weeks. So we'll delve into it a little bit deeper as we go along tonight. Yeah, I think we have to talk about Twitter eventually tonight. Yeah, what a fucking shit show. Fucking embarrassing. What's wrong with people? What's wrong with people? It's summer. It's beautiful. The weather's out. Spring racing's happening. We're back in winners. Carlton's back in finals. Relax in here. <laughs> Just take it easy, mate. <laughs> like, I thought, you know, give it a, give it a couple of weeks after the Pies have won a flag yeah. and then we'd get the worst of it. And I was like, nope. We'll just start with the absolute pits of it all. <laughs> oh, well, people will be people, I guess. People no will be it. people. Yes, correct. Yes. I, I usually I usually would say, like, take accountability of your algorithm. The thing was I had Twitter open on this screen, trade radio open here. So, like, I was trying to stay up to date with everything. And it's just like, how much more can you mute and ignore? It's funny. Anyway. Anyway, tonight's going to be fun. I think someone made, made a really good comment here. Uh, John, this is our little pseudo bombshell to where you can get away and hide from all the annoying and awful Collingwood stuff we've had to endure the last few days. It's been a cesspool. Absolutely, mate. Although I've just got this feeling the Collingwood fans are coming into the chat. So just be cool. Listen, let them enjoy it. Ur with the 80. Thank you, mate. He says the A team. Um, look, we're going to go through quite a few things tonight. A bit of a roundtable discussion. Um, and I think we get to be a little bit more creative now because usually you've got the games, the games are happening, you know what you're talking about, what's coming, preview, review, etc. It's a bit different now. Um, maybe we'll start with the granny. Pom, we'll start with you. What were your just general thoughts on the granny? I mean, I'm sure everyone watches watches that game with an eye on what we can do as well and how we stack up. For the sake of Faz, I was more interested in West Ham's mighty performance versus Sheffield United, to be honest, than watching 
22 versus 22 full-grown men chasing egg-shaped ball on a Saturday afternoon. What a bunch of sad sacks. But, no, genuinely, um, it was a good grand final, wasn't it? I mean, it went pretty much, those who watched the Pommy and Oz preview, it was about as surprising as me getting socks for Christmas. It was inevitable. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it was fair play to them. You know me, I'm a big stickler for if you win the minor premiership and you don't win the flag, kind of sucks to me. Like, being best team for 23 weeks feels like it's inevitable you win the flag. So, you know what, fair play to them. It means that we've got some work to do. I was more watching it from the point of view that I couldn't believe we weren't there. I think that was probably my big takeout. It actually hurt me a little bit thinking that, you know what, we could probably we could probably perform in this kind of furnace mm. and just kind of really showcase what we need to work on in the off-season. And hopefully this time next year, we get to put some kind of tweet saying that we're in the 17 club, which uh, only us and Leonardo DiCaprio at Victoria's Secret concerts has ever entered. So uh, that'd be good. That's a niche joke, that chat. That needs some respect. Critically <laughs> underrated joke, that. <laughs> Marcus, what about you, mate? How'd you watch the granny? What were your thoughts upon reflection? Yeah, like obviously it was an unbelievable game. I think everyone's everyone's saying how good it was, and, and it really was. It was um, you know, it was one of the one of the greats. And um and yeah, uh, overriding feelings for me was just that feeling of, you know, a bit of jealousy, a bit of envy for you know, for us being so close and not being there and and how good the day was as well. And and I feel like we would have really thrived in that sort of environment as well. Um, but then again, it's like it's hard to fully embrace and be happy because Collingwood won it as well. So it's hard to fully immerse yourself in in how good the actual game was. Um, but to, to put all those emotions aside, it was it was a bloody good grand final. And um, and yeah, just yeah, just really wish we were there because I think we would have really given it a good run and if not beaten them as well. So, um, but no, definitely, definitely one of, one of the all-time greats. I was surprised to hear the Collingwood people that I know say that they were more worried about playing Carlton than Brisbane in that granny. Yeah. I mean, we only beat them a, a few weeks ago and, and would have been our big army at the MCG as well. So, I mean, it would have probably neutralized it a little bit, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, I think they definitely would have been more scared of us for sure. Yeah. Paolo, what are, what are, your, what are your thoughts of the game, mate? Well, uh, yeah, all timer for me. It was a ripper. Uh, yeah. Just the two. I mean, obviously the two best teams in the regular season, just going head to head and going, you know, locking horns, which is, I think, I think from the neutral, it's what everyone sort of wanted to see. I think, I think the Collingwood cart, as beautiful as it sounded, it just felt like it was a year too soon. It just felt like it just came up to us too soon. I mean, you've still got to make, you've got to make the the most of your moment, but uh, I think. From a from a game perspective, it, as Pommy said, it played out the way it was going to. Uh, both teams had their opportunities, and Collingwood, like they've done all season and they've done all all the whole time under Craig McRae, they just know how to win these close ones. And you know there was that myth going around last year that oh they were only winning by close margins, and we'll see how they go the season after. And truth be told, uh, they they just know how to win. So uh, the whole narrative as well around them being a little bit scared or, or being more fearful of playing us than, than they were against Brisbane, I think is granted because 
of Brisbane's inferior record at the MCG, I suppose, and what we did to Collingwood about a month and a half ago in the season where we had them rattled. Uh, and I think they're going... I get the feeling they're going super hard with their celebrations and super hard on their knocks with the Carlton Football Club because I think they potentially fear what's to come with us in the next three to five seasons. I get a little bit of an inkling with regards to that. I think they know that they've got some aging veterans and superstars that are going to, when they finish up, will you know that'll lead to a percentage drop off. But they've still got some young fellas in there who will who will make up that. But I get a feeling that they know what's coming with us as well. So make of it what you will. The rivalry is well and truly back up and about now, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm counting my uh, my DMs from, at the expense of Joe Adamo. I'm counting DM number nine of a Collingwood supporter sending me the video of Joe. I didn't see that. Yeah, hey, you got to put your balls on the line, mate. And when they get clamped and put in a vice grip by someone else and torn down, you got to deal with the pain, unfortunately. And that's what Joey and, and the lads and what a lot of us are probably going through at the moment. So uh, I think the rivalry was dead for a few years because of our incompetence. We weren't really the team competing yeah. with, with them for a couple of years. And now that they realise, oh, shit, uh-oh, Carlton are up there. Uh, it's, all starting to, it's all starting to heat up in the kitchen again. Yeah. Pom, I feel like every year, up, apart from this year, when I watch the grand final, I've said to myself, we're so far off this game, this type of game, this type of environment. This was the first year where I said, I can actually see us in this game. Um, how do you feel about our yes. prospects? It's malleable, isn't it? It's tangible. Yeah. Usually at this stage, I'm trying to come up with some witty slogans to- or some witty stat to make you believe that impossible is possible. But, I mean, they're definitely close. They're definitely there or thereabouts. Um, I mean, for me, I think that this season has shown us something a bit bigger than just the prelim final. The other teams yeah. are starting to take us serious. Gone are the days that you've got Dan Rioli with his shit-eating grin saying round one's Carlton's final. You know, side bottom with his shit bald head saying, Carlton, just kick it to more. These teams are starting to talk about us in the press conference series, and that's the the first stage of success, having a bit mm. of respect. We are no longer penciled in as a win. And, and I think the best motivation for these boys is probably seeing a side that they have always had 16. Us and Essendon have always said, we're 16, you're 15. You're, you're 15. Now they've, that's the last final bit of motivation now that you've, your arch rivals are on par with you. So what a massive motivation to go into next year and do that. Don't really buy into this back and forth, this rivalry. You know, I'm English. I come from a country where the rivalry, like the rivalry with all due respect to Collingwood Carlton, as big as it is, is a little bit like when I used to go and watch my cousins play netball at separate schools. It's just a little bit of words. Do you know what I mean? It's just cute little phrases. But the rivalry is historic, and this is something for us to motivate. So I don't buy into the giving Collingwood guys banter. I'm here. I'm business pom. I, I want to know what we do in the off season. I want to know what we've got to work on. The benchmark is set by Collingwood. Thank you for setting us a benchmark. And now it's our job to go out there and take 17 and be able to look down and the AFL mountain at everyone else. And there's work to do. We know what it is. We're not going to shy away from it, but we're going to go out there and take what's fucking ours. And that yeah. is being the best team in the land. 
I actually like the fact that it's been equalized and now we're both on 16 and we can, because it just, it's another layer that we can remove of relying on the history or the past for the present. So everyone's on 16, it's done. Um, we don't have to talk about that anymore. Um, I want to go around and have each of you pinpoint like two or three things that you think, whether they're themes, whether they're players, whether they're whatever it is, two or three things that you think we can add to what we have right now that'll help us take the next step. So we'll end on you, Palm. We'll start with you, Marcus. Um, geez, it's, I, I think we can almost emulate sort of what Collingwood did last off season when they lost that close prelim and, and the recruits that they brought in where they just recruited holes when you know, they got Mitchell in for their their stoppage game and their clearance game and um, staying for their forward game as well. So if we can do something similar like that and bring in like some classy, classy player, um, someone that can use the ball that also, which leads on to one of my other points is that offensive connection as well. If we can get someone in that can maybe, yeah, just rarely miss a target moving forward and we can get that connection going forward because that's probably something that we did lack towards the end of the season as well, like unbelievably defensive unbelievable defensive team but going forward we just um yeah we couldn't really keep those big scores could we so i think they're probably the two things that i think you know taking you out of the season um yeah so soon after they're probably the two things that i think will help us take the next step obviously yeah not losing six games in a row and putting ourselves on the back foot but um i think those two main things would be would be the ones that that will yeah get us to that that next level yeah fair uh, channel Blano, Pi's got 16, fine. Just more motivation for 17. Yes, indeed. Paolo, what about you? Two or three things that you've seen now that the whole season's played out that you pinpoint that can help us win a flag next year? One more word, and it came up this year, and it was a true test of it. Stability um, mm. on and off the field, I think, is what we need to continue to go towards. That's, that's definitely going to be a buzzword that'll come up for us in the off-season and in the pre-season and the lead-up to 2024. So stability is a big thing for me, both on and off the field. Uh, from a pure off-field perspective, I want the fans to continue to bandy together and unite, which it came as no shock that as soon as that occurred, um, as soon as that did happen, everything started to really fold back the other way and in our favour. So, um, you know, we, we've got to be... You know, we, we said it too, and, you know, we've all got to be better as fans and we've all got to be better as members and supporters, and I think we really did that in the back end of the season. So continuing on with that momentum as a fan base and then on the field, an interesting one too because I think we're – I think I don't think we need – we don't need any major surgery or anything like that. Uh, maybe another another midfielder would be nice, I think. Uh, that would be handy, potentially through the draft, I would say, just because likely that would – probably going to be without Dow and Fisher. So I think going down the draft path with regards to that might be a good idea. And maybe just the high half forward line, only because the blokes roaming around there are just not that, – that they were reliable in the back half of the season. But Jack Martin, Cunningham, Fogarty, they've had some serious injuries. And Jack Martin with the niggle. So maybe across that high half forward line, we could potentially look at drafting someone in there as well. So um, – the other one I'm I'm very excited for too. Um, the one I'm re the thing I'm really looking forward to is our halfback line with Zach Williams back in there. Mm. That's what I'm really really looking at. That halfback line, that ball movement, that transition from halfback when we're pinned away in our back line. How we can 
absorb and then hit teams the other way, like Collingwood do. You know, they, they absorb and absorb and absorb and then crush you off that half-back line. So continually focusing on that too, I think is going to be a, another layer that we need to add for, for the next season. Yeah. We saw a bit with the whole of Zach Williams. I, well, I think we saw a few things. We saw how important he actually is. Mm. We saw maybe two to three players emerge from that situation that who mm. knows how much of them we would have seen this year in Chincotta, uh, Boyd, maybe even Kemp to an extent. I think Kemp would have got in regardless if Williams was there or not. But I, I like there's a there's a silver lining to it. Mm. But yeah, just the 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 the, the slow pace that we were moving the ball out of the back half at the start of the year can't help but feel Zach Williams fixes that. Not single-handedly, but he really goes a long way into helping that. Handy player. I think yeah. the one thing for me, though, the one thing for me, and it was the first thing I said, is stability. That's the one mm. thing I want to continue to see through 2024, from, from our off-season now to pre-season to 2024. Mm. Well, mate, it worked for us last year. Yep. Everyone stayed around. Um, yeah, I think stability is important. I don't know if it's too simple an answer for me to give and say experience, but like we had mm. it. We're going to get another 12 months of it next in the next 12 months. Can't help but feel like a guy like Jesse Motlop, Ollie Hollins, even from the top, Cripps, Doherty, these, these guys, their first final series. Can't help but feel like that's going to help us. And I sometimes mm. get caught, Pommy, we were talking earlier today, I sometimes get caught between thinking, all right, let's go get some mature age players who are seasoned that could play on a grand final day and help us on the day um, as opposed to, well, you got to keep looking, you got to keep having an eye to the future. So I'm somewhere in between. I still think we need, if we're going to lose Dow and Fisher, who both played games this year, I don't know if Carroll will play as many games next year and be able to impact as much as them. So I'm always caught in between go get Jamie Cripps and go get Elijah Hollins. Um, what do you think? Two, three things. I, I mean, I might be the exception to the rule. I don't think if you actually look at how Voss has played over two years, you're never going to see a coach change his game plan systematically. It's never happened in yeah. the history of the AFL. Ross took six years out and plays the same way. So when people describe what they want, um, maybe I'm too old to play FIFA. I live in the real world, um, not going out and buying Papley and fucking Degoe and God knows who else you want to throw in. I'm looking at logical. I mean, Crozier makes sense. I, I do fear for this football club if Cripps is the oldest. I think that that responsibility needs to fall on someone who's maybe not the captain. Crozier coming in, bit of experience. Um, Nick Austin, more importantly, has worked with him. Um, do you know what I mean? He helps set that standard because if you do any research on him, Hayden, he's regarded as the best trainer um, at the Doggies. And that's a huge thing because I think people forget when you lose Ed Kerner, you lose that hard-working training. Ollie Hollins is a massive advocate of, I remember his first day at the club, he was actually shocked that some 40-year-old bloke is outrunning 21-year-olds and 19-year-olds. It's a real standard setter. It's like, oh, Jesus, these guys are serious. Ollie Hollins fits the bill. I think high half forward, you've seen the issue. Cunningham, is he the answer? Maybe, but you want a bit of pressure. Mm. That's the problem. Cunners was in that side regardless of what happened. If he didn't quite perform, someone came in that probably wasn't fit for purpose. People forget about Jack Carroll. We hear about Dow leaving. 
Um, what's the nicest way? That doesn't really bother me, to be honest. I look at it in a bigger picture. Jack Carroll is a guy that when he was taken in his draft, he was a year younger than his adversaries. He could have stayed on and been the pick later on. So technically, we've got him a year early is the way that I like to see Mr. Jack Carroll. So that means he's going to have more VFL time. You've got Kennedy now becomes the Dow break glass in case of emergency. Then you've got Jack Carroll, who is now going to be playing 35 touches on the ball in VFL. That's going to help his development because if you've ever watched VFL, Carroll was basically the handbag carrier for Dow. He was just there. Mm -hmm. Now he's the main event. That's a huge thing for his development. And then it's really simple, really. You look at the draft picks we've got. We trade Dow and Fisher. Hopefully get a second. In reality, we'll get a third. Cal and go out there, and that's key position. If you remember this time last year, Cal Toomey was selling you a dream. This year is the dream draft. And I said, bollocks, the top 10 talent are brilliant. After that, it's depth players. Calton couldn't be happier if they can get three picks inside 40 this draft to fill needs. And then you've got Bins another year in. Calton gets someone like Colston Tholstrop, who's going to learn off Cunningham, but also learn off Elijah Hollands and the mistakes he's made in his young career already. That's a huge plus for him. He could be anything as well because he can nip inside. Calton then may, I know Bugs Bell's talking about James Bell. Calton may then start le leeching their delisted free agents. And we have seen great success. And Nick Austin steals this from the dogs, taking VFL players and bringing them into the seniors. So that could be a Ned Carl. That could be someone like Ronk as well. And Calton bringing that there. But there's a lot of players everyone's forgotten about. Zach Williams is a new player. Zach Williams, if you look at his output, he is somewhere between he's a better kick than Boyd statistically, has more score involvements and has more changes, more transition impact. And he's also quite tough. He's got the chin cotter, the pom cotter thing. So that adds variety down the back. And one thing we've struggled this year is our aces never get free. Adam Saab never gets free because sometimes he's having to cover and play a defensive role. So the future's really bright at Cowan. We we are, when people talk about, like I, I heard Mr. Marcus say, do what Collingwood did. People forget we've done what Collingwood have done for two or three years. Collingwood did that because they hit the draft. They sold players. Everyone hated them for it. They went young one year and then they hit the trade target hard to get the pieces they've missed. We've done that steadily in increments over the last two years. Now it's about bringing in the talent and bringing in the right fit bringing the right fit. There's a lot of players here at this club that we've lost this year that have been kept too long. Now we're in a real great position. Our list is prime age, exactly 12 months younger than Brisbane with an identical makeup to theirs. So Brisbane have shown you how you rebuild. We've accidentally got there. Now it's about really maximising that opportunity and putting a bit of pressure on them first 22. We know mm. the 22... Now it's making sure that the next 22 is fighting them and we've got the youth coming in. So that's going to be a really exciting time. I think this is the best trade and draft period you'll ever see at Carlton because now you've got to shift your mindset from being shit and looking for the great white hook. We're looking for the grey paint. We're looking for magnolia paint. And that's yeah. exciting. That's the draft I want to talk about, magnolia paint. Don't want floral paint. I want magnolia. Safe. It's pretty. Mm. Well, you touched on Cunners. It's almost like he just ran out of petrol tickets towards the end, and it's kind of what happens when you miss a preseason. Um, Marcus, there were a few players that 
I think if we were having this conversation three months ago, we would have all said, oh, well, how can you rely on this person being available? I think Marchi was one. I think Jack Martin was another. And I think Dave Cunningham was another. How much do you, how much faith do you just put in the fact that, okay, we'll back him in to stay healthy. And we know that they eventually, if they are healthy, they'll be right up there. If they're not in the 22, they'll be close to it. Uh, yeah, I think absolutely we've got to back him in. I mean, they they didn't just play a handful of games this season, did they? Like they, when they came in, they impacted and they played a good a good string of games too. Um, you know, in particular Jack Martin, who's been one that's you know arguably been the most frustrating out of out of a lot just due to his talent. Um, and he was able to impact in a massive way and arguably our most important inclusion in the prelim. Um, you know, some people yeah. were were calling for that. So um, I think incredibly important. Uh, Connors. Played enough games, I think. Um, you know, he just about yeah. From our winning streak onwards, he, he played in nearly every single game, or if not every game. So, I think these guys have shown that they've played enough and they've got their bodies in, in a good enough condition now to suggest that we can, you know, back them in and um, and see what they can do with a full preseason. Fingers crossed, and and hopefully a full season next year. So, um, and Marchi, I thought was absolutely huge in the prelim and, and throughout the finals as well. So. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all for backing them in, um, and yeah, fingers crossed it happens because those three, at their best, well, and I feel like we have probably haven't really seen them at their best yet either. So um, I think that'd be really exciting next year. Mm. Paul, yeah, I think. Look, for me, I, it's an interesting one because there's. I don't think we. I think alluding to what Pommy said as well, just with regards to going for the the safe and depth options too. I think there's also a you, you don't want to you don't want to upset the apple cart too much with regards to all of this because I think and you said it too Terry when you were saying that we get more games into these this core group and I think for me the big thing coming into this season is is stability as well and I don't think we need to change up too much with regards to to all of that and I think too with our best 22 it's changed from, and this is what we love, because when we were doing the team selection on Pommy's channel, every week as the season started to progress, we were mentioning blokes like, like Marcus just said, they're Cunningham, uh, Martin, guys like who could potentially come in now. We've got Elijah Hollands in the ranks that could potentially come in and add to that depth as well. And he could even come straight into the team. We don't know. Um, I know he's not a current player yet, but I think from my perspective, I'm looking at it now and saying, well, you want to come up, you want to get to a point where every single argument you make for team selection is, okay, there's no wrong answer. And that's what we're getting to in the back end of the season this year with regards to, to all of that. So I think that is part of the stability that I mentioned earlier too. But I also think that you got it, you, got, you need a team of 30, 35 players that you can rely upon week in and week out. That's For me, that's what it's about. You look, I mean, look at what Colling would have done. As well, they they did that. McStay missed out. They brought in others. Ginnivan was missing out for the first couple of games in the season. He comes in. I know he didn't do a lot on grand final day, but still, he plays a role. Same with Mason Cox. It's not. I think we're also past this idea of and and Tommy, you mentioned this as well. The whole Messiah complex. We don't need it, mate. No, we don't need it. We're a team now. We're we're a proper team now. It's not. Oh, what's Charlie going to do? What's Paddy going to do? You know, what's Saar going to do? He's going to take 55 bounces and then kick it to no one. It's it's For me now, it's all about what Pommy said. And you, you hit the nail on the head, mate, the magnolia paint. We don't need the fluoro anymore. It's all about the magnolia paint. And I think Nick Austin, 
um, you know, with regards to blokes that we're going to pick up potentially with experience, guys that are going to not just uphold the standard but raise the bar even more. And, you know, whilst he summed it up beautifully last season, just got to get busy getting better, lads. We know where our benchmark is now. We're preliminary finalists. And we know what it takes to probably get to that next level. And I don't think the me- there's no mental hurdles anymore with this team. Even with blokes like Cunningham now with his injuries, being able to play and get that out the way. Marchback looks sensational, getting the ACLs and injuries out of his way as well. McGovern got a whole season in as well. So continually, continually yeah. adding that depth in and continually adding the cohesion with these lads as well. But in finals, football is going to be key to us going to that next step too. So... Look, whether it comes, we don't know whether it's going to come next year or not. We don't know. Anything can happen. But if you've got that strong squad of 30 to 35, you know, but by all means, you know, the standards go up. And like I said, there's no mental hurdles with them anymore. They beat the beast, Collingwood, who got them last year. The only real maybe hurdle is probably Brisbane up at the Gabba, but they're beating everyone up there. So it's not, I don't think it's a mean feat to to go up there and play the way we did last week. They're, you know, they're the top two teams in the league. And Beaten Melbourne, smashed Port Adelaide, beaten Collingwood, got very close with got very close to Brisbane at the Gabba with a lot of sore bodies and blokes who had never been there and done it before. So exposure and stability key for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pommy, there's a common misconception with spots available on the list. So what we know now in this moment is that we've lost Plowman, Honey, mm-hmm. O'Brien, and Philp. Those are the ones that we've actually lost so far. We're currently moving through Dow and Fisher discussions, um, but that doesn't mean we have six spots available. It's five because of Hudson O'Keefe. So can you explain to a dummy like me how many spots we've got available? Yeah, so you've got to effectively, we met the quarter of 44 players this year, but we had 45, but 44 of Zach Williams wasn't there. They just yes. delete him. So yep. one of them is already instantly replaced by by that just straight away because Carlton have already re-signed him to an extension of that. So he got 18 months, I believe. So that ties him over this year. He's guaranteed to stay on this year. So that's a really interesting little facet from there because you look at Carlton at the moment, three picks, two players predicted to leave. One player coming in, Elijah Hollands. Nick Austin, historically, I think there's only one trade Nick Austin has done when he's lost a guy who's played five games in his career as a list manager or worked with it, where he hasn't ascertained the trade for a third-round player from another trade out. So Nick Austin might be... I haven't done the research on this. I just know Nick Austin stats. That would be close to the best in the league at turning picks into... A player, so you'd imagine he's one of them players straight away. Elijah comes in, and like I say, this is the first time we've done list analysis, Terry, you and me together, where I actually get a little bit of a rumbling downstairs. Terry, we are in the mode, the median, and the 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 mean on all the average metrics. Finally, actually, in the Premiership window next yeah. year, based on what Carlton are projected to get in. They will be now the seventh oldest side, the magical place. Eight to one is where you win a flag. Games played. Suddenly, we're no longer like in a ridiculous position with games played. Now, Carlton a ninth. Again, that's the happy medium. It's actually as well why I mentioned median and mode. You you mean your average is usually flawed. If you've got eight 38-year-olds and then 
25, 21-year-olds. It floors it. Now Carlton have got a real good spread. Their games now are all players that have played. No longer is it players that are on the bench who have played 135 games for other clubs making that. These are active players. Also, when you look at Carlton's points, this has been a big thing this year and it's actually pissed me off. A lot of things piss me off, though. You know that now. You've all you know got that. to know me. But it's about how many points we've scored. You actually look at Carlton condensed with their best forward line and you look at the teams with their best forward line playing with their average output. Carlton are actually fourth on points scored, right? There's been a massive knock-on effect from our small scoring when Carlton have had their best forward line. So that's going to be something else that changes, hopefully with injuries and health permitting but that's going to be a huge thing and then now there's a big thing that comes in you've got some new kids coming in colston tholstrup he's going to want to play ollie hollands came in and he's retired Lockie o'brien and i remember saying it when we talked about Lockie o'brien last year we're going to see the real Lockie o'brien because ollie hollands ain't coming here to count sheep he's here to play football and just knowing ollie hollands like i do that kid will kill someone to play for this football club tell you now colston ain't going to come here to play VFL. He wants to be round one going up against Nathan Broad, showing Nathan Broad he's the real deal. So that's great for players like Cunningham. A full pre-season into Cunners. We saw how good Colonel was after his pre-season when he made his return two years yep. ago. Huge opportunity for him. Jack Martin, someone in the comments, thank you, I can't remember who it was, saying Pom said that when you have kids, it changes your mindset. Jack Martin's mindset at training has been ridiculous and it's no... I'm not saying it's his kid that's made him fit, but I reckon it's gone a long way for him to changing his lifestyle and really knowing what he's focused on, and that's football. This is a different list predicament to last year and the year before. They are now in that horrible category that when round one comes, every side that wins a flag loses a prelim. Mm. Every side. Do you know what I mean? That is one of the common metrics. So that's huge for Carlton. They now know prelim isn't, the expectation going next year is the expectation. What do we need? And ultimately, this team finished top four in the league. Top four in the league. Fourth best country in the land. So when people are talking about mass list changes, you're telling me Hayden Crozier coming in this week, last week, would have beaten Brisbane? You're telling me that Dave from the Dog and Duck would have beaten Brisbane? No, it wouldn't. That wouldn't have changed anything. The facts, what will beat Brisbane is losing to Brisbane. They understand, mm. they know what it takes, and then they'll watch Collingwood and they'll see something. They'll see how Collingwood negated that quarter two burst that Brisbane had versus what we did. We dropped back, we fell back, we allowed space, we panicked, we made it easy on ourselves. Collingwood were like, okay, you're going to come at us and you're going to hit us with everything. We're going to ride your storm. And then when it's our turn to go, you better be ready. And that comes with emotional maturity. That comes with skill. That comes with trust, belief, all them underlying things. And if the boys mm. have shown us anything, year on year, they fucking learn under Voss. Year yeah. on year, they learn. And this year now, there'll be nowhere to hide. No surprises. Richmond, this year, for the first time probably ever, will have a little squeaky bum. A little squeaky bum. They don't want to do it anymore this is a danger game for them now and that's what we've got to go go out there show who we are go and show who we are hmm. marcus there was a lot of talk at the start of the year around our third goal kicker we were confident 
about what we would get from Harry, Charlie. We were hoping to get a little bit more from Motlop, from OEs, from Durden, Jack Martin, if he was fit and healthy, Jack Silvani, if he could kick the goals. Um, we did a little game last week and it actually reminded me um, to talk about it this week about the goal tally. So at the end of the day, when it was all said and done, we had Charlie kick the 81, which I think that was to be expected to an extent. Harry ended up kicking 29, which I think was a little less, which kind of hurts the argument that I'm about to make. Um, then we had Jesse Motwell kick the 24 and always kicked the 27. Um, we still don't have that third bona fide goal kicker per se, but we also were probably hurt by Harry not being Harry to Harry's fullest ability. So who, where and what is going to be uh, the solution to get that third reliable option for us? Uh, well, I think at the start of the year, a lot of us were saying Jack Silvani and, and potentially uh, a sneaky All-Australian on the half-forward flank, which obviously didn't eventuate, um, yeah, just due to his injuries and, and, and whatnot. But, um, geez, looking back on the season now and 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 knowing what we know, you'd think Jack Martin's probably the obvious one that can really provide a lot more goals from that from that third option. And, um, yeah, and, and with how dangerous he is and, and how versatile he can be, he can play, on, play tall, can play small. Um, to me, he's the one that probably stands out the most. Obviously, if Jack can get a good run, but but I think Jack just is just just plays around the ground way too much to, to probably be a, a proper third forward. So it, for me, I think Jack Martin's the one that, that sticks out. Um, I think you're always in your motlops. I think they're going to, they're probably going to hover around that you know, 25 goal mark, aren't they? Like the high twenties. Um, be great if they can get into the thirties and, and push the forties, but at this stage, you're probably going to hover around that. So I think for me, Jack Martin's probably the one that can really, you know, a full, you know, a full preseason, um, yeah, a full season during the year as well, uninterrupted. I think he's the one that can really, yeah, give Charlie and Harry a chop out up there, and and you know, hopefully, as you said before, we can get a bit more of an output from Harry in terms of a, a goal sense too. So, yeah, for me, I think if I had to if I had to predict it now, I think Jack Martin would 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 be the one, um, yeah, to to be that third option. I mean, we had a few options in the mid the midfield kick more or Cripps kicked more goals last year, almost double, nearly triple what he kicked this year. Uh, I think it was 24 goals last year or something like that, maybe a little less. He kicked nine for the year. Uh, in the finals, we did get a bit more from the mids in terms of, you know, goal kickers. Um, Cripps kicked two in the prelim. I know that Walsh kicked two in the semi. Um, I still think it's something we haven't quite gotten on top of yet. That might be one of the points for next year. So that's an interesting one as well. Paul? Yeah, Jack Martin, obviously the obvious one. Uh, Jesse Motlop for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I've liked his progression. I know he was quiet in the preliminary final, but uh, I just think in his his third season, he's starting to understand what it's all about. He's got a real good eye for goal as well, and you saw it in that game against Melbourne with the two goals that he kicked. Uh, yeah, he's he's the one that's lock, stock, and barrel for me, just because of his. Scope for improvement, I think. Uh, what was his final tally this year? I can't remember exactly. Jesse Motlop? Yeah. It was 24, obviously, yeah. including finals. Um, yeah. yeah. And he missed a few games as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think naturally, I think he's the guy who can potentially get up into the 35, 40 goal mark just with scope for improvement and understanding the standard at the level and, and looking 
and how to improve his game as well. So I think for, for me, he's definitely the one. Is it unreasonable for me to say that Harry should be looking for like 40 minimum in a season? No, it's not unreasonable. No, not at all. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I, mean, I, I think... I think people get really excited about the third goal kicker tally. Like it's, it's one of them things. If you look at the top teams in the league, that third goal kicker comes from all over the place as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Some of them are smalls. Some teams have got mids who are higher goals than us per game. Some have got utilities. Do you know what I mean? The big thing for Carlton is if you actually look at our goal kicker makeup and you touched on it there, Terry, this is the healthiest it's been minus Harry's output. And, Let's mm. be honest, this is the first year we've ever shit ourselves about Harry. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Usually at this stage, we're having arguments in the chat about who's kicking more goals, him or Kerner. I think we're forgetting how good Harry is. And this is a blip. This is a blip in yeah, his career, right? We've always wanted our small forwards to kick 20. That has been said to me since I've done this show with you, Terry, that if we can get two smalls to kick 20 goals, we'll win a flag. Well, that's happened this year and it hasn't happened. The midfield, you nailed it, Terry, is where Cowton massively fall off. Someone in the comments, I think it was James, nailed it. Matt Cottrell and Blake Akers towards the end of the year, once they got more of an offensive role, they started to bang them in. Six goals in the last 10 games for Blake Akers and six goals for Cottrell. People are sleeping on Durden. He had 11 from 11 this week. There's that extra goal kicker. They're all going at a goal a game, the top teams. But Cowton's midfield is devoid, and I actually think it's criminal when you look at Sam Walsh, Adam Chera and Patrick Cripps, that they're below 10 goals. You look yeah. in the other leagues, in the other teams, all the teams above us, them players are going 15, 16. Lou nails it. Pies don't have genuine tall forwards. Their goals are spread, which makes them Very hard to spread. defend because you don't know who to defend. But also, look at their midfielders. They go in and they bomb the ball in towards goal. That's something that I think... This year, you're going to see Sam Walsh, towards that finals campaign, get a bit more freedom, get a little bit more freedom to get forward. We saw that. Motlop was brilliant. People sleep on Motlop, but his goals per game, insane. And he is that X-factor forward that we crave. Always, he's always going to be Mr. Reliable. We need them goals from midfield. And that'll come as these boys get more confidence. That's a confidence thing. A lot of the times you see Walsh, especially against Brisbane. You saw it a few times. Even though he was brilliant, my one criticism of him was he wasn't willing to pull the trigger sometimes. Sometimes he was running inside 50 and he tries to give it to someone else. You look at Collingwood in that fourth quarter, all their mids, if they saw it, they had a shot. Shoot on sight. That'll be something that naturally progresses as these boys start to trust each other and trust when we turn it over, we defend. That's going to be a thing. So like for me, you add five goals each to midfield. Stoppers. Well, I'm looking at Collingwood's midfielders now. I mean, they're so evenly spread as a as a team. They don't have a goal kicker over 50. My, my check kicked 47. Um, mm -hmm. They got 39 from Jamie Elliott. And then, you know, Dugowie, 18. Josh Dacos, 16. Uh, Taylor Adams, 13. Still double digits. Um, Nick Dacos, I think it was... 19. 19. Very, very evenly spread. And then, you know, Brisbane's probably a little bit more traditional where you've got someone on this in the 60, well, Charlie Cameron, 59, close to 60, uh, Danaher, 61. Then you've got, you know, a couple like three or four, three twenties. Like it's, 
it seems like they scored a lot more, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're a couple of kicks away from winning the thing or kick away from winning the thing. So, yeah, definitely the yeah, midfield is where is where it would seem there's a hole compared to the winners. Jebediah makes that great point about Sam Walsh, and I was going to say that about Dugowie. You look at Dugowie this yeah. year when you mentioned him about Collingwood, it's the first time he's been classified as a pure midfielder, not a midfold yeah. because of his time. That's something that when you watch Collingwood, their big guys get the ball out and they're giving it to Chera and Walsh. They're, they're versions of that type of player. They're, they're more slight, skillful players. We're still in that situation of handball it to Cripps when it's tough. Yeah. And then Cripps try and make something happen. And that's nothing on Cripps. That's just Cripps' limitations. He's human. That's where that next evolution is. And that's when Carlton now have probably done the hard work down the back to be a bit more bolder in that stoppage and clearance. And Walsh and Chera, I will predict now, if they kick 15 each between them, Carlton win the flag by a canter. Mm. It's so funny. At the start of the year, I thought we were so far away from the flag. <laughs> End of round 13, I thought we were even further away. And now, I still, th I don't think we're far away, but I don't think we're, I don't think we're, we're definitely not far away. We're a lot closer than what, what we all felt, I think, from the start of the year, which is great. Um, Marcus, so home and away season, what was your personal favorite moment or moments for whatever reason? Oh, geez. It, I mean, it is hard to, to sum it up, isn't it? It's hard to really pinpoint one. For me, it was probably the most enjoyable season I've ever experienced. Um, in terms of not, not the whole season, but, you know, obviously the moments in the second half of the season were just something I've never experienced before. But to be honest, it, it is, it's hard to go past the semi-final. Um, for me, I think that was just something that I will never forget for the rest of my life, the the experience here at the game. I think that was just incredible. Um, yeah, one of the best, best nights, not just of um, you know, supporting footy, but just in my life. It was just a completely incredible experience. Um, and then for like a different reason, I think it's the the, the turnaround during the season as well and, and how well we were able to to go through that mid-season and completely change everything really. And um, and the leadership shown by Vossi and, um, yeah, and, and Kripper and, and Weeders to, to lead us out of that um, was just something was just, you know, equally, you know, obviously different to, to winning finals, but just in terms of, you know, a, a watershed moment through the season. I think that was just completely incredible and something you, you, you rarely see in sport as well. So, yeah, that's the semi-final win. And then I think, yeah, our, our turnaround and the leadership shown by by those at the top, I think definitely stand out for mine. Yeah. I listened to Weedering. Oh, chills. I did actually receive your package. It's right here. Thank you. Um, Weedering spoke today. He reflected on the season and he opened up a little bit about the turning point and he spoke around Collingwood the first time we played them the week after that, that's when they went on the camp. Um, he felt the Sydney game was the turnaround. How did you see it? When did we actually start showing signs of turning it around in your, in your view? Oh, geez. I think, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sydney game probably a bit, bit of a stretch to think that that's where we turned it around. Cause for me, that was, that was a really tough game to watch. Um, oh, I mean, you could see that there was moments in the Essendon game where things were, they were trying new things. They were trying to tap the game on a little bit. It just it just turned really ugly. 
Um, but for me, obviously, it's that second quarter against the Gold Coast Suns and at the MCG where everything just just clicks crazy out of nowhere, just just clicks and in a big way. So, um, but they're definitely in that Essendon game. As bad as it was, you could definitely see that there was a, a switch from you know taking the game on a little bit and um, yeah, you, yeah, just having a bit more dare in their game. And obviously, something you look like something had changed. Um, but for me, I think that Gold Coast game and yeah, anything before that's probably probably a bit of a stretch for mine to to really feel where it's changed from that, from our point of view anyway. Fair. Um, <clears throat> Paul. Yes. Your favourite special personal moments from the season. My favourite special personal bestest favouritest best moments of the season. <laughs> number one, number two, number three. The one that really sticks in my head was Sam Walsh's first goal in the semi final. The snap. It just, it, it's just, you know, when you have those moments in life or at sport or you're watching a game or something like that, it's just tattooed in your head. Like you, you close your eyes and you can just see it and you can hear it. The belly roar from the crowd when he kicked that goal was just, it was absolutely insane. It was one of like, those are my favorite type of goals when it's the game pace is frantic, it's high pressure. There's a few fucked up handballs, a few stuffed up kicks. There's a tap on and then someone gets on the end of it and then finishes the business and everyone's, you can like kind of see everybody's on the edge of their seat. The first handball gets you there, then it gets you there, then it gets you there, then it gets you there and then the goal goes through. And that was the raw, for for anyone who wants to relive that moment, just go back and watch the highlights of that game. Just listen to the roar of the crowd when he kicks it. It is just, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. That moment, um, and then the final siren at the semi-final uh, against Melbourne was just, oh, it was just, I, I was crying, but I had, there were no tears coming out. I, it was mm. like I cried all my tears away for the last for the last 20 years. It was just dust coming out of my eyes. So Sammy Walsh's goal in the semi-final, his first goal, and then the final siren of the semi-final was just, it was absolutely insane. Um, and then the other moment for me was the two-week period between, uh, or that that period between Melbourne and Collingwood beating them in the season where it was the, it was a moment everyone was like, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, this is real. This is real this year. <laughs> and Pommy's mate, Charlie, putting Darcy Moore in a spliff as well was beautiful to watch. More of that yeah. next year, please. More of that next year. Yeah. I When I look back on the season and, like, try and pinpoint certain moments, being – it's going to sound weird, but quarter time of Gold Coast. So we still hadn't shown turnaround on scoreboard yet. It still wasn't clicking. Yeah. I remember sitting there looking around at quarter time thinking, wow, there's 26,000 people here at the MCG. <laughs> no, we're <laughs> Like I'm here, I'm one of them. And I remember thinking like, does this say more about the team or me for being here? And I remember remember just really just absorbing the whole lot and and thinking like, is it going to be worth it? And I can only talk about it now because it was worth it. Um, The other one was when the play when Doc kicks the ball to Akers to kick the goal. Hollands kicks it. Yeah, but I felt, I felt the sound of people standing up is the sound when Doc actually 
took the mark because from where I was sitting, it didn't look like he had enough room. So when he comes out with the ball and turns and has a bit of an open paddock in front of him, the noise on like it wasn't loud, but there was an elevation of like, oh my god, something's about to happen. That's the memory for me that sticks into my head. Like, love it. Like it was a bit of. I use the word divine intervention on the night, yeah. but there's something Moses, special happened in that moment. Moses parted the Red Sea. Everything just went, oop, and Doctor yeah. just went. <laughs> yeah. So those Crazy. were mine. Um, Pommy, mate, you've been here on watch-alongs, mate. We've seen you crying <laughs> after games. We've seen your compilation for the year. What was your favourite personal moments from the home and away season? Um, sec- I-, I think second quarter, Gold Coast was was probably yeah. for me you could see that first quarter was very like Essendon everything was going wrong it the application was piss the idea was good and then something happened in the second quarter where the application was good and we never looked back for like the next nine weeks did we that that was kind of a nice moment and then obviously I, I could be cliche say the Melbourne prelim I, that was probably the most fun I've had on the internet clothed um, I have to specify that one. Um, definitely my favourite moment. But th- then it's little things. Then it's little things like from round 12 doing the fan cams to prelim final, I'm getting up and about and getting the chat to donate money to get a kid to Brisbane. That mm. That's probably my favourite moment because I'm here for a different reason. I'm here for the enjoyment of what this community brings. Seeing that kid, hearing him on the phone sound like he was going to cry for not going there and then getting in there that that's what i'm about that's what that, that's what i'm about that's what makes sport special and that's what when Carlton can stop all the bollocks of 16 flags what we really represent is that we got that kid there we're a community we're an army and then i think my final moment that's made me happy was probably how we reacted to the gws loss mm. doing this I see the worst of people. Fuck, I am king worst person when we lose. I think having a bit of perspective of being able to judge how we lost the game, but also know that we had a very fucking important job this time next week to do, and we did it. I think that, for me, is it. And hopefully that's the evolution of... I think people get clouded by wins. The biggest evolution is the boys and us. We've grown up. We've all grown up. And we're now in a position to launch at the big thing. And hopefully when we win this, we will be all down Ligon Street for three weeks, not on fucking Twitter dropping shitty little fucking memes. Please give Twitter a rest. If Carlton win the flag, everyone just down Twitter for a week. Mm. Down Twitter. It's a, it's an interesting point we learned how to lose. Um, when you look at the prelim and the boys actually getting clapped off after after the loss that i think that that's a powerful moment as well in the in the story of it all albert it was dust that's what i tell my kids it was (laughs) dust i tell you get a bit of hay fever yeah (laughs) all right well trade period trade period trade period is among us it begins I'm not as dreadful of it this year as what I have been in the past because in the past, Pommy said it earlier, we've we've, (laughs) 
we've compared we've we've tried to save things and it, it it seemed like we needed big pieces whereas that's not the case anymore so marcus starting with you um are there any names that have caught your attention whether they've been actually mentioned yet or, or haven't yet uh, that you you may think could be viable for us yeah not really like it, as I said like it, it's a different feeling this year isn't it like it's you know in, in years gone past where we're linked to bloody everyone that's um that's on the market so this year it is very different um obviously Elijah Hollands is the one that one that stands out and I'm not going to pretend like I, I know him back to front but I feel like he would be a, a perfect pickup for us and in, in, in an area I think of the ground that we we sort of need um he's the, he's the one that yeah sticks out for me and then yeah mate not you know there, there was talk about Jade Gresham but I wouldn't I wouldn't go after Gresham but I'd go after that sort of that type of player if that makes sense and mm. um I, I think that they're probably that's that's probably it to be honest I haven't really seen anyone that really caught you know catches my eye or or anyone else that I think we desperately need because we don't desperately really need anyone um but I think those yeah. are those are probably the ones the names that I've actually, I feel like I could list the names that have been linked with us on a hand. So Crozier, Hollands, Billings kind of got a run for a moment today on Trade Radio. I'm not going to really count him as one. Who, who's, who's Chris linked? Billings. Never heard of him. <laughs> who's actually linked? Like you know, they, I'm trying to. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, we just made a prelim. That would make us more of an attractive destination for a player that wants to actually win a flag or maybe at the end of their career, not so fussed with money or whatever. But who are the actual names that are linked with us publicly? I know that there's a lot going on privately, but who are they? Yeah, but why do you think that is, Terry? Of course. Like, because we're good. Mm. So usually the media needs to say, this B grader from Geelong wants to come to Carlton and Billions. turn them into our house. Right. But in reality, Carlton have a list where they're not needing to find the great white hope. They, the club yeah. are literally telling you we're not linked to every shithouse player because yeah. we're happy with what we got. And now top clubs like Geelong, like Richmond, they cherry pick what they want to come in. Even Collingwood, they cherry pick mm. them players. Hill, Frampton, them names. They cherry pick them. There was no competition. We're in the same position. So, do you know what I mean? Crozier, if he comes in, he comes in. Elijah Hollands makes sense. He comes in. And the other guy, Mr. Who was the other guy you named? Billings. He's just Audi. Gresham. I've never heard, Gresham. I, I had not heard of it until today. Uh, Sammy Edmund mentioned him. Oh, uh, that's just, why. It's just made yeah. up then. Okay, cool. <laughs> Throw that one away. Uh, also, Vaughn, the Camprioli twins, they're coming next year. Next year's draft. Correct. Not this year's draft. Um, Paul, any trade talk that you're like amongst? Not really, Anyone? to be honest, mate. I haven't, I haven't really delved into it at all. But um, maybe just uh, it's not, it's not mail or anything. But I'm just looking at some lists and, and potentially picking up. And Pommy mentioned before about he's a bit concerned about Cripps being the oldest player on the list or the oldest statesman on the list. Wouldn't mind maybe going to pluck someone from Geelong. Someone of a premiership vernacular, and and look the names, and I know we signed the name that I would like to have got the club, which would have, and I've got to credit Mars with this one. Uh, he, I think he signed a, I think he signed a year deal a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. But I actually would have loved to. I know we don't really need the position, but I think just from a standard point of view, Zach Tui would have been nice to get for a year. Mm. 
<laughs> that would have been a nice little story. <laughs> so someone in that mould, sort of, you know, maybe that 30, 32 to 34 age bracket just for a year, um, just to get in and increase the standard at training and, you know, keep those training standards up and running. And, you know, it's not, as Pommy said, and, and you guys have referred to, as we referred to, it's not a, not a great wide hope signing or anything like that, but just someone to keep things ticking over. Maybe a Mitch Duncan, maybe a Jed Yu. Someone like that is what I was looking towards. Pommy, we spoke on the phone the other day. There's a bit of a relationship with Vossi and Port Adelaide. Can we get my man Trav Boak in? Just a bit of standard. A bit of standard setting in the, on the list. Tra, tra, Trav Boak is the guy that, yeah, I, I feel Terry deserves something. He's losing Fisher. We have to give him something back. <laughs> give me something, mate. I feel we have to give it. Yeah, Zach Fish is someone that I think is um, Travis Boak is someone that I think would fit the bill. Um, I think if you look for me, what I'm looking at is we're going to hit the draft hard. Austin has come out, said yep. it last year, regardless of what happened, where his exact words were, regardless of ladder finishing position, 2023 and 24, we're hitting the draft. All right. Yep. So take your ideas, run them in a ball, Kobe it. Right, we're hitting the draft. So if you're hitting the draft, what that means is you're going to have to get something that helps develop these players. I think Travis Boak, the talk at Alberton, year deal, minimum offer, and there's no coaching caveat. So I think Boak coming in, VFL captain, and he's around the group because there's a real big... If you go watch European football, the biggest change this year as the most important change in coaching is having a coach who's with the playing group. Mm. So Boat, VFL, he takes your Colston Falstrups and guides them through that thing in the VFL. What Ed Kerno should have been. Yeah. VFL. But that could be someone that you could pick up. And with the new AFL rules, you can pretty much offset that in your list, offset that with the list because of the change to the player payment. So I think it's something that maybe Carlton could look at a senior player to play on in the VFL. Yeah. So it's not a guy to play regular games in the AFL. It's well, essentially you'd be trying to get someone like him for coaching after he's done. Which is why Port want to keep him to uh yeah. part of being adamant. They want that in the training every day around the playing group. He's not be mm. not playing. He's there. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Paddy Dow and Zach Fisher. Come to terms with it, okay? <laughs> we'll start the Luthor now, mate. We'll start the prayers. <laughs> I've come to terms with it. He's gone. It is what it is. But He's you know what? Also, like real talk for a minute. This is the first year the sentiment has truly been thrown out the window. Like, yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice to, you know, have Dow and O'Brien and the, the kids that have been there from the beginning. But I have actually realized this makes us real now in the way that we're making our decisions. It's not about who was there, who's being bullied, who's being treated nicely. It's actually about we need to win a flag next year. We can't, sorry, we can win a flag next year. So, um, what are we actually in line to receive if we were to lose a Paddy Dow and or a Zach Fisher? Um, Who are you asking? Pom. <laughs> not, not much. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I would, I would say that Carlton will probably do the deal with, with, with St Kilda probably for a future pick. 
A lot of people yeah. in the chat getting worried about the Camparellis. The Camparellis, if the 20% discount literally makes it impossible to lose them and they're not top 10 talents there. One of them's skirting on it and one of them's a top 30 talent. So dependent on how they change, two second yeah. rounders would tide Carlton up to a pick five. So that would really cover them. So probably a third, Carlton will push for a future second. Dependent on what they're doing with Billings, that might decrease the value. And Fisher's the intriguing one because it's a five-year deal. A lot of misconceptions with the compensation scheme and contracts being offered by players. So that doesn't affect your trade value if you are asking it. But thank you. Where are you? Sapphire Blue, you are a genius. There is something Carlton could do. They have been given North Melbourne two foot second round picks end of the first round next year. The caveat of that has been used before. Subject to performance gets reviewed around round 18. There is a caveat around that. They trade the picks today. Now, the AFL genuinely are quite strict with this. If you finish bottom three, if you finish bottom four, you don't get it and they'll change it. And the AFL looks like teams are complaining. Hawthorne have already come out today and complained about it. I would suspect that gets reduced to one next year with their performance. So what Carlton can do is they can actually go in quite bold here and they can go, give us Fisher. Give us, a give us them future second next year, one of them, and we'll give you a pick this year. They have got a few players that they're eyeing that fall under their Tasmanian catchment 40 after, which would help them. So Carlton could maybe do something like that and then ascertain that pick next year, which would allow us to do what Gold Coast are going to do this year and trade them down once the draft hype comes. So that could be a an interesting facet. Fisher's a rare one because he's a third on mm. in reality. However, right. with a little bit of negotiating, future seconds, swaps, things like that, Count could do it. But you've got to remember, Nick Austin subscribes to player first mentality. So if these players want out, they won't push. We aren't Essendon. We let the player walk, like the Setterfield deal. And that is what Austin preaches. So if there is a haggle war, Cowton won't be involved in it. Hmm. Someone just messaged me saying, how does Pom know all this stuff about the draft? It's called research, hard. mate, and hard work. I'll, I, I'll, I'll tell you why. Why all of you lot are sat biscuit arsed wondering biscuit where you got on holiday. <laughs> Pom's watching videos and working his ass off to try and have two weeks of fun with you lot, while some of you annoy me saying, what about if we trade Lockie O'Brien, Fisher, Plowman, and Dow and get pick one off North Melbourne Farley Reid? That's, that's my life. That's where I live. <laughs> I was going to do a Q&A, but literally we've, we've covered literally everything. The only one that hasn't kind of been answered, Curtis asked about small forwards. Um, they seem to be the most important players in the finals. Do we pick one up or do we have it on our list? Marcus, do you trust in the small forward brigade that we have at the moment to be enough? Oh, it's a, it's a good question, isn't it? Mm. You'd, you'd, you'd say we do. I think, you know, with Motlop being so young and, and showing so much already, um, Durden being so young and, and has shown a lot, um, albeit with a, a pretty interrupted season, but you think he's only going to get better. Oh, he's, you know, he's a, he, he can play some really good games. He's a good player for us as well. But obviously, yeah, he, he, he did miss the prelim. But yeah, you'd, you'd think that we do. We've got it there. Um 
I don't know if someone if if a decent one does become available, we might have a we might have a look around. But I think I think the nucleus is there. I think we've we've got what we what we've got there, and Jack Martin can also play small as well. So I know it's 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 a good question. It's it's a really good one. Have faith in the list. That's the feeling I'm getting. Yeah. Yep. Have faith in the list, Paul. Um, smalls I've gone blank. Um, smalls. Smalls. No change for me. I don't think we really need to do much there. Maybe a tall forward could potentially be something they look at. Someone as a free agent. What about free? I don't know. I'm not I'm free agency as well. I know we're going hard at the draft, but maybe there's someone that could potentially pop up with a need, like it probably said Crozier or something like that. I don't know. I think our smalls are down pad. It's probably just it's probably other positions on the park. I think that we're probably Fair. looking at. To be honest, yeah, yeah. Fisher, Fisher, and Dow is just such a. It's going to be a very intriguing. I think it's going to be made more of than what it actually is. Than what it actually is, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like it's just you know what's going to happen. The deals will get done. Fisher and Dow will move on. Mate, well, Dow, who knows, mate? Dow. I think I read somewhere that is it that we may have offered him a year or something. I don't know if that's true. Whatever, but they'll get done. Fisher and Dow won't be at the club next year. Dow maybe is the likely one to stay if, if any of them, but. They just it's we will probably if you look at the draft capital we gave for Dow, we probably lose we lose out on it from a points perspective, whatever that means. I mean the bloke the bloke we probably pick up could could end up being, you know, the picks that we get for these guys could end up being pretty good footballers for us. So new blood, new blood. Let them move on. If they want to go, they want to go. It's just part of football, mate. It's it's one thing we haven't really had to deal with. Um yeah. The one thing the beauty about the beauty about this Fisher and Dow scenario for me is I was worried that from that 2018 block, the 2021, that we were going to have these gun core players walk out because they're like, oh, this is it. Well, what's the fucking point anymore? There's no point. We're stuffed. Club's going nowhere. They'll just walk out. Now these guys are going because they can't get opportunities. So it's a good spot to be in, I think. Hmm. It is. Well, let's look to wrap up. Um, plenty going on. Pommy, you're yeah. about to go live at 8.30 uh, with Lek Dog on your channel. What's that about? Daily 30-minute show. Lek Dog and me will be doing it every so often. There will be a special guest, though, taking you right until the trade period where we just oh, basically digest everything the AFL tells you and we debunk it. We are the Trade Busters. Um, Zoe's going to be Janine. She's uh, being carefully taking all your calls and filing it. And basically, we're just going to do what we've done today, discuss what the trades are, how likely is it happening. But really good. If you don't quite understand how the point system works, the match system, you want to know about player value, we're deep diving into historic values. And also a bit of an advance notice you'll learn about next year and why some teams will trade picks like pick four. Mm. trying to keep their mind in what comes through the draft next year. So it's going to be a real good thing, engaging a couple of times a week as well. We'll have a Q&A so you can ask all your questions. And there's going to be a bit of piss-taking as well because we've delved into the world of Facebook and Twitter and taken some of your 12-team trades. Um, and we'll debate why that's not happening. <laughs> Yeah. How to get copyrighted with Pom. <laughs> if, 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 if anyone uh, has got the Ghostbusters car, you want to lend me. Uh, that <laughs> <works>. <laughs>
love it. I love it. Marcus, what about you, mate? Tell the people, where can we find you? If you're not, I mean, I'm sure everyone watching knows that you are from the All Dark Blues, but tell us about the channel. Yeah, so, yeah, well, I only started it um, probably January, February this year, and um, oh, the growth of it's been huge. Like, the support from everyone's been out of this world. Not Definitely not what I expect to to sort of be at um, at this stage of it. And, um, yeah, it, it's been huge, and the messages I get every day from people through Instagram mainly has been been amazing and um and yeah all the yeah all the all the the good feedback's been great and obviously doing something right with getting getting everyone to um yeah to to connect and engage so um it's been really good so yeah mainly on instagram also on youtube it's been a bit bit off the last few weeks but um looking to ramp things up with you know with the trade and draft coming up as well and then back into the new year so they're the two ones mainly instagram and youtube but um yeah Feel free to, to follow me on there. And yeah, again, just a big shout out to everyone for, for all your support this year. Um, it's been great. Love it. Paula, we're on the couch tomorrow, mate. The jumper yeah, punch. What's the story? Tell us. Live show. I'm not going to reveal who else is coming on and what's going on. It'll be a, a bit of a surprise, but uh, live, live, live show for the very, very first time. So, wow. Uh, don't know how that's going to go because <laughs> usually we pre-record and all the censored bits are cut out and all the all the uh, all the R-rated and MA-rated stuff is all cut out. Well, some of it is, uh, but this is going to be a very very interesting live edition of the Jumper Punch on the Couch. So Mars is Mars is going to work with the camera and the mics and the audio. He's getting that all down pat, and we're going to have somewhat of a revolving studio. So I'll leave it at that. I like it. I've got a little promo to play here. The jumper punch. 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 Jumper punch. The 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 jumper punch. Make sure you watch the jumper punch every Tuesday at seven o'clock. Jump a punch. Get at it. <laughs> Some of Rocco's finest work there. Great editing hey, skills out, from the shout great out man. To, shout out to Brett Radden yeah. for coming on the show. That is really what cool. Great Good guy. on him. We, we we got him before he headed over to uh before he headed over to Hawthorne. Uh, over to Dingley, I think, in the next couple of years. So, shout out to Rats. Uh, his 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 first part of last week was, yeah, but phenomenal. And now, um, I think part two will be up. Uh, part two will be up on Wednesday. So, yeah, get around that. Very good. All right, ladies and gents. Well, more to come every day. You know what it is in off season. Looking forward to getting one day closer to round one, 2024. But for now, have a good night. Go Blues. Thanks, lads. Go Baggers. Thank you. Go Blues. Thanks, boys.